listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back with you today again on the podcast. It's your host with the most. Listen, today's going to be a good one. Last week, you know what we did. We talked about choices that every husband needs to make for a problem-free marriage. This week, we're going to be talking about choices every wife must make for a problem-free marriage. So take a minute, share the podcast today on social media networks, um, whatever you use. Pop it up. And uh, because today, I told you, I told you last week we were going to pick on the wives this week. We picked on the husbands, so we're about to pick on the wives. And, um, you know, as you well know, you say, well, why, why are you doing this podcast? As you well know, I'm an expert when it comes to women. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> far from it. But, you know, who can understand women? Who can understand them? Especially when they speak a foreign language. Who knows what they're talking about. Um, but I'll, but I will say, uh, my wife is doing a phenomenal job over at nonstopmom.net. Uh, that's her website and her podcast is also entitled nonstop mom. If you're not a subscriber of that yet, I want to encourage you to go over to your podcast outlet of choice, whether that be, uh, Apple podcasts, Google podcast, um, She's on Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor. Um, wherever you'd like to follow, follow. Her podcasts have been phenomenal. And uh, check out the website, nonstopmom.net. She's posting articles, plus her podcasts are there as well. And um, she's been she's been pointing out some amazing things uh, through her podcast as well. So I might even take a couple, steal a couple of little points from her uh, today that I thought were really great, really phenomenal. Um, but we are going to kind of relook at the same passage of scripture that we looked at last week um, on this same podcast geared towards the husbands. And we're going to talk about the same passage from the perspective of the wife um, to begin. Uh, and, and I really think this is so vital right now. This is so important because how many marriages are ending in divorce, not just in the world, in the church. And it's it's not right. I mean, the Bible says what God has joined together, don't let man, any man separate or the King James put asunder. You know, we should not be ending these marriages. Uh, it, it's crazy to me that we believe God can do anything, right? So you talk to Christians, especially Pentecostal and charismatic Christians. Oh yeah, you know, God can do anything. You know, he's a miracle worker. He opens blind eyes and deaf ears and raises the dead, but they don't believe he can heal a marriage. You know, it blows my mind. He can do all these supernatural things. Oh, but you know, when it comes to my marriage, you know, him him healing my marriage, there's no way. It's just gone too far. We've had too many hurts. It just won't work. You know, it's like you realize you just said God can do creative miracles, grow body parts back, make dysfunctional organs function again, but he can't heal your relationship. I mean, I don't know what people are thinking about. Um, and obviously, as we've talked about in the past, one of the major things that we have to remember is 
being led by the spirit before we get married. And obviously that's not what this episode's about, so I'm not going to cover it. But, you know, your decisions are important. What you do for the for your life and for your future is important. So if you're listening to me today and you're a single and uh, you know, you're not yet married or you, maybe even you're engaged, you know, you need to take a look at your life and say, "Am is what I'm doing?" You know, um something that the Lord directed me to do, or is it just something that I'm doing because it's what I feel to do? Uh, that needs to be the the introspection that we use for every decision we make in life. But I want to go back to that um, where we were last week, because this is really uh, the passage that I, I feel is so important in the New Testament. Paul is teaching the church in Ephesus, which which is in Greece, or excuse me, it's in Turkey. Um, Corinth was in Greece. Ephesus and Turkey, and Paul's teaching them about wives and husbands. And we're starting in Ephesians chapter five and verse 22, um, continuing from where we were last week. And the Bible says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, we talked last week when we were talking to husbands about the fact that husbands need to love love their wives like Christ loves the church. And that meant a self-sacrificing love or a love that gives itself for the one it loves. It puts the other first. It prefers the other above itself. And so we talked about how easy it is. I mean, I don't know of any woman in the world that wouldn't be willing to submit to that kind of love. You know, a lot of times we harp on that word, submit, submit. You need to submit. Uh, But look at the overall relationship that God is uh, commanding here through the Apostle Paul. It's number one, let the leader of the relationship, who is the husband, love the wife like Christ loved the church, giving himself for it. So a self-sacrificing preferential love from the husband to the wife is the foundation of any successful marriage. But then notice the wife is commanded to, but I want to, I want to point this out because it is, uh, it's very interesting that even though the husband's love for the wife, his self-sacrificing love for the wife is the foundation of a good marriage. Notice that God doesn't command the husband to love the wife first. He actually commands the wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord first. That's the very first thing that's in the scripture. And God doesn't do anything by accident and it's not arbitrary. It's something that was put there purposefully by the Holy Spirit. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So in the same way, you know, it's crazy. It works both ways. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Husbands are required to love their wives as Christ loved the church, self-sacrificial, once again, uh, preferential love, even if the wife is not submitting to the husband. So catch this. A husband is still required to prefer his wife above himself, 
to give a self-sacrificing love for his wife, even if she's not submitting to him, to his authority or to that love. He's still required. He has no excuse. He can't say, well, she's not submitting to me, so I'm not going to love her in that way. I'm not going to prefer her above myself if she's going to treat me like that. That's, that's what people in the world do that aren't saved, that don't, that haven't been regenerated by the Holy Ghost. Anybody can only love when they get love returned. The question is, can you do it when the other side is not showing you proper respect or love? That's what Christ does. So that's the basis of the husband, but watch this. On the other side, and this is why I believe that wives are commanded to submit to the head of their relationship before the husband is commanded to love the wife, is that the same thing is true for the wife that was true for the husband. They're required to submit to their husbands as to the Lord, even if the husband is not properly loving them uh, like Christ loved the church. It's still a testimony. Let me let me tell you what I mean by that. Think about this for a second. Did you ever imagine, uh, did you ever imagine what kind of a testimony it would be to an unsaved husband if your salvation turned your whole life around in the home? And what I mean is not that just that you started going to church and reading your Bible, but your husband who's unsaved saw you begin to treat him completely differently because you got saved. Imagine your attitude is gone. The, the, the snarky comments, the sarcasm, the jabs, all of the stuff, the irritability, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the nagging, whatever it might be. It's gone now. Something changed in you. He can clearly see something has changed in you since Jesus became the Lord of your life. And now you have a submissive spirit to your husband. You know, he may not even be serving the Lord, and obviously you don't follow his lead into sin. That's not what I'm teaching. If your husband's a sinner and he's wanting, encouraging you to to sin, to go get drunk with him on the weekends, or, you know, if your husband's into (laughs) swing, I don't know, whatever. You're not following his lead into sin. That's not what I'm teaching. But you're submitting yourself to him. And, you know, if he does love you and is, uh, you know, doing his best to make... Uh, the best choices for your family and and your life or whatever. I mean, there's people that make choices that are, you know, naturally wise that aren't even saved. So I'm not saying, obviously, if he's not saved, he's not making the best spiritual choices, but, you know, he may be doing things financially and working hard and, you know, but he sees now my wife is, is totally different, submitting herself to me. What a testimony that is of Christ changing your life when you got saved, even if your salvation meant that now you're in an unequal yoke, meaning your husband's unsaved and you're saved, and you're obviously believing for his salvation. But how far would that go as a testimony and a witnessing tool to show your husband, listen, my life is changed by what Jesus did for me, and I'm a different woman now. And uh, that's actually the story, if you don't know it, that was the story of Smith Wigglesworth and his wife, Polly. And many people don't know that, but Smith Wigglesworth, who we all know as a powerful uh, British evangelist that raised the dead, and everybody loves to talk about his exploits in ministry, but what they forget is that um, you know he, he didn't start ministering until later in his life. Early on in his life, he was a plumber in Bradford, England. 
and it was his wife who was saved and came home. And when she let him know that she'd gotten saved and, um, you know, was now serving the Lord, he was not putting up with it. He actually grabbed his wife, threw her out the front door and locked the door and locked her out of the house through the night. Literally, she was locked out of the house. He kicked her out. And do you know what she did? She stayed right there on the porch steps all through the night and waited. And in the morning when he unlocked the door to go get the paper, she was waiting there. And when when he opened the door to go get it, she came right in the house and began to make him breakfast. <laughs> I mean, to, I mean, completely supernatural. You know, you think now my, my husband tossed me out of the house. I come back in with a hammer. You know, it's like, you know, it, it's it's a supernatural thing to operate at that level of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, and peace when you've got that kind of stuff going on in your home. But, you know, because of her, he then became saved and became full of the Holy Ghost and began to minister the gospel. That came about because of his wife's treatment. I mean, that was the first thing he saw was how she changed and how she treated him. And so, number one, I'm what I'm talking about is submitting to your husband as as the church submits to Christ. Because whether you like it or not, the Bible teaches us that the husband has been giving that, given that responsibility of leading the home. As I said last week, it's very much like delegated authority in the military. You know, if you're a commanding officer and your men screw up, it's not your men that are going to answer to your CO. It's going to be you. And he's going to call you in and say, hey, I thought I told you to complete this mission. You can't say, well, the men you gave me, you know, they're no, you were in charge. You were called to make it work uh, and you should have made it work. That's why when sin entered into the world, I gave this example. If you didn't hear this, when sin entered into the world, it wasn't because of Eve. Eve is not the reason that we have sin natures in this world today. The reason sin entered in was because Adam willfully sinned, whereas Eve was deceived. And Adam had full authority in the Garden of Eden. It was God's plan. And when Eve uh, was deceived by the serpent and ate the fruit, Adam could have corrected her, brought her right back into the into fellowship, and the Garden of Eden couldn't have conti- could have continued. But he willfully sinned, and sin entered into the world. So there is an order in marriage. God put an order that the husband is the head. There's not two heads. Anything with more than one head is a monster. So there's always confusion. There's always issues if there's not a clear authority and head. And uh, if you study the scripture, you'll understand as a wife. Now, this doesn't jive in our current climate in society with so many being, you know, jumping over into the boat of the feminism movement, which is by no means scriptural. Uh, obviously, uh, just a, as a side note, we are obviously for equal opportunity for everybody, but you cannot, uh, it's one thing to be for equal opportunity for rights. It's another thing to try to enforce equal outcome. You know, I don't know, I don't know how you could even begin to force that across. I mean, cause you, when you come down to it, how many demographics are you going to force it across you know, how many people are you going to insure, you know, how many, and, the, and then, and then the way the world is thinking now, how many genders are you going to try to force uh, equal outcome across? Um, you know, it, it just goes on and on. The list goes on and on and on and on. 
you know, how many people that identify as whatever are you going to then force equal outcome across those? It just doesn't work. And in this generation uh, where that we're living in, this movement that is called feminism um, is really anti-scripture. It is truly anti-scripture. Uh, and and that, I could do a whole, maybe I will do an entire podcast on that. Um, and it's not because, trust me, if you know my wife and I, we have uh, an amazing, amazingly easy time flowing together. And I believe that's because we understand these principles very well and understand what our roles are in the marriage relationship. But this, uh, the way that feminism is portrayed now is insanity. I mean, it's truly insanity. And and it really does warrant its own episode, and I'll cover it in the near future. But the, you know, you, you look at and you hear people talking about submission to your husband, like it's a, like it's a curse word. Excuse me, I'm submit to my husband. No, it's not. It's not a bad thing. It's a godly thing. It's a scriptural thing, and it actually brings a problem free marriage, especially when the two of you are serving the Lord and trying to move into the same direction. Submitting to your husband as Christ uh, expects the church to submit to him. That's our call. As husband and wife, I'm called to love my wife like Christ loved the church. She's called to submit to that love and submit to me as the church is submitted to Christ. And so number one, that's key. If you want a a hitch-free, problem-free marriage, obey that scripture. And even if you're, see, here's the thing. When Paul was teaching about relationships and he said, listen, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, he's obviously not talking about people that are already married. God's not going to expect you to get divorced because one of you got saved. No, Paul actually took the time to teach. Listen, if one of you is saved and one of you is unsaved, stay together by all means. Stay together by all means. That's not just because one person gets saved. You shouldn't destroy a marriage because somebody came to new life in Christ while the other one has not yet done so. So Paul took the time to teach about that, but he's not talking to people that are already Christian, that are already married, you know, and then expect you to jump ship because one of you got saved and the other one's not. He's talking to people that are not yet married, to people that are forming relationships. You know, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But if you're already saved, you know, and your husband's still unsaved, number two, this is the second choice every wife needs to make for a problem-free marriage. Begin to pray for your husband. Begin to pray for your husband. Even if he is saved, pray for your husband. And husbands obviously should pray for their wives. I pray for mine daily. Pray for your husband. Spend significant amount of time praying for your husband. You know, it is a big responsibility that was given to husbands by God to lead the home, to lead the family. The entire weight of the future of my family obviously rests on my ability to hear the Holy Spirit and properly lead my family into our future with wisdom. And that falls on me. If I fail, it will not be my wife's fault if there's a failure there. It will not be my children's fault if there's a failure there. It will fall on my shoulders and it'll be my fault. That's There is pressure that is added to that responsibility. 
But that's why wives should pray for their husbands. Number two, pray for your husband. Spend a quality amount of time. You know, we'll sit and watch shows on Netflix that, you know, we'll binge three episodes in a row. That's almost three hours. Spend one of those hours praying for your husband. It's so vital that you pray for your husband. I can't even emphasize this enough. Prayer is such a supernatural thing. Pray for his strength. Pray for him to hear clearly the voice of the Holy Spirit. Pray for his uh, purity. Pray for his separation from the things of this world. Pray for his focus. Pray for his hunger for the word and for prayer. Uh, You know, every aspect that you pray for his healing, that he'll stay in the health of God. Pray that God blesses him and opens doors for him. I mean, literally take the time. The other thing that prayer for your husband really does is it's very hard to talk about somebody negatively that you've spent hours praying for positively. So it's very hard for you to go, you know, out with your girlfriends or whatever and start to bash your husband in like in front of your girlfriends. And like, who does that anyway? Anyway, I mean, like what a deadbeat thing to do. I mean, I know it happens, but I mean, like, seriously, what a deadbeat thing to do. But, you know, if you're well, you girl, my husband you know, is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you know, first of all, it's going to destroy the trust that your husband has in you in the relationship. If he finds out you're like bad mouthing him to your friends, you know, wherever you might be going. But when you pray for your husband or you pray for your wife, it's very hard to speak negatively against someone that you're spending hours praying for. It changes your heart. I'm telling you, it changes your heart. It's it's like you look at it almost as an investment. Like I've spent too much time invested praying for my husband for me to then speak negatively against him and about him behind his back. So prayer for your spouse does way more than one thing. It brings supernatural strength to them It brings a supernatural love in you for them. It keeps you from speaking against them. It does more than one thing. And I want to encourage you very strongly to pray for your husband. And then I want to encourage you to pray with your husband. Take time to be in unity about what you're believing for. One of the things that locks you or sinks you together is when you have written goals and written prayer points of things that you and your husband are believing for together. What goals do you have for this year? Have you written them down yet? If not, do it immediately. Do it immediately. The Bible, that's a scriptural principle, not a business principle. The Bible says, write the vision and make it plain upon tablets that they may run who read it. So you're so so much more likely to accomplish goals that are written down than than are just in your head. And then when they're written down, begin to make a list of prayer points with your husband, what you're believing will take place in this year, and then pray together about those things. Pray together about those things in in your, in your marriage. Take, take time where you're, you know, having, it's not wrong to pray separately. My wife and I have talked about that with on podcasts and on, on lives and stuff about how it's good to pray separately, but it's also good to pray together. There, there's a benefit to both. But I want to encourage you to get, see that synchronizes your spirits together, unifies you. It's important to do. And then I'll, I'll finish um, 
in a way, you know, when I say when I finish, who knows even what that means. I may not be done for another 40 minutes. But <laughs> a third thing I do want to mention, that this is definitely uh, an interesting thought process. I'll say that. To say the least, it's an interesting thought process in this generation. You've heard the opposite of this often. But my wife did a phenomenal job teaching on this on her podcast. And I just want to mention it as one of my points. And that is number three, put your husband first. And this way may shock some of you. Put him first before your children. I'll I'll take a minute and pause to let all the gasps set in. (sighs) Put your husband first before your children. People are like, are you kidding me? I'm not, my kids are my first priority. No, they're not. Your kids are not your first priority. Your husband is your first priority. My, men, your, your first priority is not your kids. It's your wife. And obviously, as I'm saying these things about relationship, we all know by default, our first priority is our relationship with the Lord. I would hope that that goes without saying that we would understand that if you're a Christian, your relationship with the Lord is always number one. But I'm talking about from a natural relationship standpoint. My kids are not my first priority in relationship. They're second. My wife is my first priority. Number one before anyone else is my wife. And you say, well, what are you talking about? I mean, aren't your kids more important? They need the time. They need the investment. Oh, yes, it's true that when they're small, you know, they're going to need time. They need your time more than they do when they're older. No question. If you've got an infant or if you've got a, you know, a toddler, they're going to obviously need more of your attention than, you know, a 10 year old. But still, your wife and your husband, you know, I'm not talking about endangering your kids by neglecting them, but I'm saying we have a nine year old, a five year old and a two year old. And they always will need something. They'll always want mom and dad's attention. And that's fine. We give them tons of attention. But mom, to me, is number one. And dad, to her, is number one. We put each other first. And here's the thing. Your kids will grow up and have lives beyond the house. They'll Eventually, they'll go to college. or If, if that's what they're doing, they'll go to work and they'll get older. Eventually, they're going to get married. And when couples have not put their relationship together above that of their children and they've thrown their whole lives into their children only. I've seen this so often. You know what ends up happening? When the kids leave the house, the the adults, the parents of those kids have spent, you know, 18 years, 20 years focusing on other people and neglecting each other. To the point where when there's no kids to do stuff with, it's almost like an awkward relationship. The kids are out of the house and it's just the husband and wife who have spent 20 years focusing solely on the kids. And now they've even fallen away from each other to where it's like they're not, they don't know what to even do when there's not kids to focus on. And their, their relationship grows cold and they, it's almost like they're roommates in the same house. It's a massive mistake. Massive mistake. Continue dating your husband. And your guys, if you're listening, date your wife constantly. 
there's got to be time. You know, you can't be one of these parents that's so freaked out to leave your kids with anybody that you can't go on a date because, well, nobody can watch my kids. Nobody. No, don't be that person. Get a spirit of fear out of your mindset and, and get yourself to a place where you got somebody from your church or whatever that can watch the kids. Or just, you know what, lock all the doors and throw some snacks on the floor and go out. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But um, I'm like three for three on that one. Do not do it. Uh, if you're listening, CPS, I'll never do it again. Um, no, but seriously, like, uh, go out, date your wife, date your husband, put them first, make them feel loved, make them feel wanted, get dressed up for them. You know, these are, that's like a real thing, man. Don't always let your husband see you in gray sweatpants and the old t-shirt that you've had for 19 years. You know, keep try to at least, yes, I know you've been married. Yes, I know that you've lived together and you've seen the best and the worst, you know, whatever. Trust me, try to do your best to, you know, don't let the, don't let all those feelings die after the dating period is over and the honeymoon period is over. Have some dignity in your house. Like, you know, want your husband to see you looking nice and want your wife to see you looking nice, you know. Don't don't wear the stained T-shirt that's been the most comfortable because you've had it for 20 years. I mean, like, do something to actually look good for your husband and wife. They deserve that. Uh, you know, it's 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 important that you keep uh, working to stay in love with one another. Leave each other love notes and write, you know, any of these things you can begin to think of. You know, get flowers for no reason and candies for no reason and presents for no reason. And, you know, stop throughout the day and just kiss your husband or wife. I mean, literally, these things are vitally important. You know, make them feel special. Make them feel wanted. You'd be surprised, even psychologically, how far that goes with your husband or your wife. It is that, you know, something happens when you take the time to make your husband or your wife feel needed, wanted, loved. It's so vital. And, and when you talk about the health of a marriage moving into even, even we're, I mean, we're, I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking to sinners. I'm talking to people that are, are choosing to serve Christ. You know, how much has Christ done to make the church feel loved and wanted and accepted? You know, think of the things written in the word that make you feel needed in these last days. The urgency that Christ, by his word, gave us about the uh, how serious what we're called to do is. Had the Apostle Paul teach the church uh, how there's no insignificant part of the body of Christ, that the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you, and the arm can't say to the leg, you know, I don't need you. He, he begins to teach us how vital every one of our lives and roles are in the kingdom. You know what he's doing? He's making you feel needed. Because you are. He's making you feel wanted because you are. Making you feel loved because you are. The same thing should be done for your husband and wife. You need to let them know you love them, you need them, you appreciate them. And you need to put them before your children. That freaks people out to hear me say that. But it's it's what needs to happen. You need to put them before your kids. And I tell you, it, it will like it'll be night and day. We've dealt with people. My my wife and I have talked to people that's like, man, I don't know. I, I I heard you saying that. It's like freaks me out that like my kids are my number one. No, they're not. Your kids are not your number one. Your husband is your number one. Your wife is your number one. 
And uh, when you begin to do that, you'll you'll be very surprised to see the benefits that will pay from that. I mean, just the closeness that's established by making them know or letting them know they're number one. Letting them know they are the primary focus of your life. You know, after God, it's them. They're your best friend. You know, girls, quit telling people that some girl in your life is your best friend. Your husband is your best friend. Guys, quit telling people some guy is your best friend. Your wife is your best friend. I mean, you didn't choose, (laughs) and thank God, you know, guys, that you didn't choose, you know, Jeff to spend 50 years living with him. You know, and girls, you didn't, you didn't spend, you didn't choose Kelly to spend, you know, 50 years living with her. You chose your husband. He chose you. You've chosen to join your lives together. Some girls, not your best friend girls. Some guys, not your best friend guys. It's your husband. It's your wife that is your best friend. Treat them like your best friend. Treat them like your best friend. One of the things we say to our daughters, if they start to fight with each other, is, you know, you girls have friends at church and and whatever, friends from other places. You would never treat them like that. You'd never talk to them like that. Why would you talk to your own sister like that if you wouldn't even talk to your friends like that? And the same thing's true with a husband and wife. Think of it that way. You know, if you had a friend that you spent a lot of time with, went shopping with whatever girls, and you would never talk to them like that because you respect them and you want them to like you, why would you ever talk to your husband like that if you wouldn't even talk to your friends like that? Guys, same is true, true for you. If you would never do that and freak out on one of your uh, friends that's a guy, why would you ever do that to your wife if you would never do it to one of your best friends? See what I mean? And so it needs to be the focus, the preferential treatment needs to not be for people outside your marriage, but people inside your marriage, your wife, your husband needs to be there. I'm telling you, when you begin to obey these, really, these are patterns from the scripture that have been given to us by God for a problem-free marriage. And I know it'll be a blessing to you. And you'll begin to see your marriage increase in every way. The peace in your home, the joy in your home, the love in your home, you'll see it increase. And it's going to be a wonderful thing. Let me pray for every husband and wife that are listening to the podcast today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every marriage today in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that where there was brokenness, you'd bring healing. Where there was hurt, you'd bring help. Lord, touch these marriages. I pray that, Lord, let this be a change. Let this be a turning point in our nation. Far less divorces in Jesus' name. Far less divorces in Jesus' name. And not just because we refuse to get divorced, but we live together angry and we live together disgusted. No, let our our marriages be a picture of what Christ is with the church, a picture of love, joy, peace, patience in Jesus' name. Never let us fall out of love with our loved one, but let us continue deeper in love than we've ever been as an example of what Christ is to the church and what the church is to Christ. We thank you for it and we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Listen, I love you guys so much. Thank you for joining me again this week. If you didn't have a chance to share the podcast yet, send it to somebody that doesn't even know about it and get the word out. I love you guys so much. Don't forget, until Wednesday, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life.
I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. Oh, 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 oh,